0: Hello, David Attenborough.
1: Hello, dear boy.
0: How are you? My
1: dear boy. Very good, thank you, very good. How
0: are you? Good. Just been molesting some... Galapagos turtles. Lovely, slow-moving buggers, aren't they? Easy to get a hold of.
1: Yes. Very difficult to let go of, though.
0: They're very addictive. Very different to kangaroos. Yes, I had a terrible time with those recently in Australia. One's a lean,
1: mean fucking machine. One's a lean, brown kicking machine.
0: <laughs> but, uh, How are you? Any, pou- <laughs> any, any pouch in a storm? I'm <laughs> good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> any marsupials ago? <of> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, very well, actually. Well, yeah, yeah, all good, all good, wonderful, ready, to, ready to roll.
1: Hello and welcome to That Was Genius, the little history podcast in which Tom over there. Hello. And Sam over there. Hi. 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 Always an echo in the room today. Discuss history stories on a theme each week. We decide the theme a week in advance. Is my. Ah, is it squeaking again? (laughs) We decide the theme a week in advance, but everything else that happens is a surprise. And what's our theme this week, Tom? The theme
0: is stock markets. Was shit, wasn't it? (laughs) Not a great topic, no. (laughs) Very, very tricky. I can understand why it was suggested because there are a few examples of hilariously stupid economic bubbles aren't
1: there yes I'm doing both of them
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's the problem there are only two or three and they're fairly well known and when you delve deeper looking for something slightly uh, less well known it's yeah there's nothing there it becomes Um, a
1: bit too it becomes for me at least having done the 80s a couple of times recently it becomes a bit too modern doing most of the uh,
0: most of the recent
1: characters and too stock markety which yeah, bit is too also stock boring. <laughs> I was going to look at some of the shading goings on of corporations, but decided that that was an episode in and of itself. Like the bastard acts of capitalism, I thought was a slightly different topic. Yeah, could be, yeah, than it could be stock a stock market.
0: Yeah. yeah, could be a good topic. That yes, looking at with things capitalism like capitalism and all yeah.
1: that. <laughs> looking at things like Pepsi once owning the uh, sixth largest navy in the world. Yeah, really? It did. They when when the Soviet Union fell and Russia opened up to Western trade. Pepsi sold Russia a huge amount of, uh, of Pepsi, unsurprisingly. And Russia had no real valuable currency. They had no dollars to pay for it for international trade. So they just sold them a quarter of their navy.
0: Like eight and, submarines. And gave them, and gave them <laughs> Boris Yeltsin. Yeah. <laughs> Going back a little bit, I was particularly pleased with my picture of you. That was the highlight of the week. I was particularly um, pleased the, with your picture of me. The patrons can see for free. Well, not for free. They, they pay for it. They, I mean, they can see it for free with their subscription. <laughs> Yeah. They can see it for no
1: extra money on top of their normal paid subscription. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I I guess this is a plug opportunity, isn't it? But I'm not quite as good at doing plugs as you are.
1: Uh, Well, if you want to see the beautiful image of me, mostly naked with pickles in my ear and a small Brazilian man farting... farting behind me with one leg then you can find it and so much more at patreon.com slash thatwasgenius where for just three, four or five great British pounds sterling per month not to be confused with Syrian pounds or I think possibly Barbadian pounds you can get exclusive episodes (laughs) doodles for each episode he was racist
0: wasn't he Barbadian pound. (laughs) he didn't need the rivers of blood (laughs) I was
1: going to say he sounds like a gladiator (laughs) yeah as well Roman gladiator you can get all of that from all of that and so much more. But before we get into that, we should probably introduce this episode, shouldn't we, Tom?
0: Uh, whose turn is it to go first, then? I think it's your turn to go first this week. Hey, Right, we're going to start with an honourable mention, then. Uh, which was one one of the stupid incidents in trading history, one of the three or four. And this is the Oil Futures drunk trading incident from 2009. Hey, hey Which is quite quite funny. It's not really oil, history. oil, oil, oil. Pour it on your head. Oil, <laughs> oil, oil, oil.
1: Slather it on your bum.
0: Oil, 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 oil! oil, oil, oil. Fry (laughs) an egg in
1: it. What different kinds of oil you fry an egg in it? (laughs) It's vegetable Fry an egg in it. Power your car. That's rapeseed oil. You can use it for many
0: things. It's the oil song. (laughs) Baby, oil smear it on your nipples.
1: (laughs) Fuck the oil. That's crude oil. (laughs) Hey. Well, I think we are fornicate with it. That's refined oil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Not sure there are any more
0: oil puns available.
1: Oil be the judge of that.
0: Oh. Oh. Yes, yeah, so this was a chap called Stephen Perkins who returned to his job as an oil broker in London after a massive bender. A big weekend, playing golf, drinking, putting his balls, drinking, swinging his club around, drinking, looking for birdies and drinking. <laughs> hey. by, the, by, the end of, hey. by the end of the weekend, he was feeling subpar. I hey. presumably thought that continuing to drink would be the best thing to do whilst trading oil. Anyway... This completely rat-ass trader, in under two and a half hours, managed to trade seven million barrels of oil with hundreds of millions of whatever currency you wish to use, causing a spike in oil prices usually associated with major geopolitical events like war in the Middle East. <laughs> or drinking. <laughs> the, the company, which had an annual turnover of $12 million-ish at the time, made a loss in the region of ten billion dollars million-ish. <laughs> All because he fell asleep in a pool of his own vomit, with his nose pressed against the return key on his keyboard, <laughs> um, and he denies any—he denies any memory of what happened. So he claims he just had sort of a strange drunken fit and just started phoning people. And anyway, I don't—I don't think that makes
1: it better. I don't think a fair <coughs> excuse is just well, I was really drunk. <laughs> I don't remember it, and therefore I cannot be held responsible. <laughs> yeah, okay.
0: I was not controlling my own in control of my own body at the time. <laughs> no. um, yes. You know what everyone loves oil. I- I'm going to buy some oil. I could just. I'm just imagining. I was imagining all these little Iraqis with a big seven million barrels of oil on their back <laughs> running around with them. big like, fucking hell. He's bought them. Go that way. He sold them. Go that way. He's He's right, bought go them. back.
1: Oh shit. Who's got them now? Bloody hell. <laughs> well, you know um. Man of the people, man of the people, Nigel Farage, used to be a metals futures or commodities trader in London. Yeah, and he yeah. freely admits in interviews that he used to be fairly drunk whilst trading. And he used to like, he he's admitted in interviews that he used to make mistakes like that all the time. Like he'd accidentally buy or sell the wrong metal or for the wrong customer. Like one client would call up and he'd be a bit drunk and say, that he wanted to sell all of his copper stocks and Nigel Farage would just load up completely the wrong account and sell someone
0: else's. I, I've also read, and I'm fairly sure this is well man known... Of the people, Tom, man of the people. <laughs> yeah. I'm fairly sure this is well known, that um, people, traders, um, are basic, it's basically all down to luck. Yes, there was a hamster so on a statistic- spinning
1: wheel that had as much luck trading... <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's he it. So statistically, statistically, the professionals just are, are just—it's just chance. So the ones that happen to be successful just happen to be the ones that get lucky. Yes, um, it's all just a bit of a con, really.
1: It is, although they're luck—the ones who are lucky and make a success of it tend to be lucky all the time. Which yeah, but then is, statistically,
0: is, that happens.
1: It does, but there must be an element of them knowing. <laughs> there must wankers. be some element of knowing. What's going to happen in there?
0: Probably mm. not much. Probably I not think much. That's, yeah, I think that's the argument. There's far less than they would like to think. Yes. Far less of it is their expertise <laughs> and their ability to smell out a deal. Um, anyway, um, I've chosen something quite recent in history. But something that I think is actually quite funny. I have chosen the comic book speculator boom of the late 1980s and early 1990s, ending between 1993 and 1997. Some losers think it ended in 1993, but they're all heads who know nothing about comics and probably think that it was Astro Man who destroyed the stones of Jagongo, thus ending Comic Boy's reign as Galactic Emperor. G-heads. It was Cosmo Man, you fat face head bum holes. <laughs>
1: types anonymous commenter from their basement.
0: <laughs> Did you like that monologue? I love that
1: monologue. I thought that was I thought that was superb.
0: It was slightly uh, longer in reality. It's slightly longer when I actually read it than it looks on my document in front of me, <laughs> my Word document. It's all
1: right. I'll just trim out one of the willy-bottom-poo-poo head fart faces. <laughs> I was wondering how long it would be before one of us made a joke about comic book collectors.
0: Straight in there.
1: Straight in mind. there. And, I- you know, there's nothing wrong with having a passion. But at the no. same time, as someone who collects toy trains, I reserve the right to, to judge. the piss out of other people. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I, I agree completely, Sam. Well, not I even think... to judge. Not even to judge. Just have some
0: fun with it. Have some exactly. fun and admit that
1: we're all losers deep down.
0: Yeah, I think hobbies are really good, and I don't think we should take the mickey out of people having hobbies too much, but I think we should just enough. Yes,
1: <laughs> just a soup song. Yeah, just a little
0: bit of piss takery. It's absolutely just for the kind I think,
1: for the kind of people, if we're talking about economics and presumably some kind of comic book based economic bubble um, I think you have already given the title haven't you then you know if you care about a hobby enough that it becomes a major source of financial pain for you when the market for it collapses that's the point at which it's gone far enough that you deserve some ribbing
0: (laughs) talking of ribbing I collect used (laughs) condoms that's my thing Yeah, I upcycle them do you? (laughs) what, hats? Um,
1: light fittings (laughs) kids party balloons
0: yeah oh look it's exploded
1: oh look they i made a, made a crocodile
0: <laughs> what's this kids it's a dolphin no it's a sperm whale <laughs> watch as I pop it um, it would make a good puffer jacket actually wouldn't it to keep you warm in the winter it would you just have lines of them inflated <laughs> filled with dead geese <laughs> <laughs> don't bother don't bother plugging them people don't realise actually it's the flesh that insulates best
1: yes of course audience Tom is talking here about Canada goose down jackets not just fucking a goose (laughs) to death and then (laughs) inserting it into your condom jacket
0: This is going to confuse a lot of people who've joined midway through.
1: It is, isn't it? Isn't it? We're going to make a great episode title, though. <laughs>
0: right. Anyway, let's start in the late 1930s, also oh, known as the Golden Age of comic books and Nazism. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. It's and that's a legitimate title, by the way. The Golden Age of comic books, recognized title amongst comic book aficionados, and it lasted for a couple of day- decades into the 50s. A couple of days. <laughs> a couple of, couple of just days. one
1: really good episode of Superman. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> lasted a couple of decades into the 1950s. And this is when both Marvel and DC Comics were founded, and subsequently when the modern superhero was born. You know, the ones that clog up cinema schedules like creative bindweed with their steroid-pumped actors, epileptic fit-inducing action scenes that you need to be a vegetable to watch without health consequences, and painfully <laughs> formulaic plots, posters and trailers. Do you know what? I want to laugh,
1: but I'm just triggered by that because I... I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you've said, and I hate superhero films with a fucking burning passion.
0: Good. I fucking hate them. They're all so formulaic.
1: Yes, and when you tell anyone that you hate superhero films, they say, oh, but have you seen Dickhead Man? It's great. It's different from all the others. <laughs> no, but it's not. Is it? Is it different from Cockface Man? Is it different <laughs> from Wanger Woman? Is it? No, it's exactly the same
0: the Thai superhero <laughs> <laughs> anyway yes I I do hate action Um, I do hate superhero films Um, now work with me here a bit folks I'm not a comic book fan so I might get some of the name wrongs uh, name wrongs? the names wrong <laughs> let me do that again no no <laughs> we'll start as you mean to go on <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway Back in them, their times, characters like Superman, Batman, Captain America, Wonder Woman, Gusset Boy, Flash and the Green Lantern were born.
1: <laughs> Ooh, Gusset Boy and Flash. And t- that's not two superheroes you want to come up against <laughs> on a dark night with a trench coat in a park.
0: <laughs> Put the Green Lantern in your hand. Yeah. Um, they all became iconic, but at the time people didn't know that they were going to become so iconic, so when someone bought a comic, they read it, kept it for a while, and then it ended up going in the trash, or slowly being eaten by rats, or commies, or japs, in the lofts of good old American homes.
1: (laughs) Much like pornography, which really never got the
0: collectible
1: nature of uh, comic books, did it?
0: No, I think it's because of all the stains. Yes, grab marks that sort of thing
1: (laughs) grab marks was the McCarthyist branch of Superman wasn't it which Superman flew around the USSR rounding up rounding up members
0: of the Soviet leadership very good joke I'm trying to think up the Superman theme tune now from the classic 1780s
1: I I'm getting Star Wars in my head and there's only so much that I'm willing to piss off comic book fans by doing Star Wars, I've
0: got Bruce over the
1: Kwai I think Superman's theme tune was of course that was Indiana Jones, wasn't it? Yeah. Well known of course for his catchphrase make it so.
0: No. Anyway, it does have a good theme tune, doesn't it? What are you doing
1: the Dad's Army theme tune for?
0: <laughs> Fast forward to the 1960s. Comic book conventions begin to spring up and so do specialist comic bookshops where you could find out what the Avengers, the X-Men, the village people and the Fantastic Four have been up to. Soon there are, <laughs> soon there are magazines of price guides for old comics as well that are circulating. Have you read... Um, uh, no. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep?
1: Oh, actually, I have read that. Yes,
0: yeah. So that reminds me of that. You know, in that, which is for listeners who don't know, that's the book that Blade Runner is based upon. And in it, the character that Harrison Ford plays in the film is desperate for an electric, a real sheep, because there are no real animals on the planet. So he's going around with this magazine, looking at the price of real animals and where where he can get a hold of them, because he's embarrassed by his electric sheep. They don't put (laughs) that bit in the film.
1: They don't. It's Yes, it skipped it, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, skipped that bit.
0: Um, yes,
1: unfortunately, he was wandering around Wales and the only sheep he could find were inflatable <laughs> with a number of realistic horrifying.
0: Yeah, upcycled <laughs> condoms.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, in the 60s, uh, comics really started to grow into a nerdy pastime for many people. The trend continued into the seventies and eighties, with mainstream comic publishers starting to see the value in supplying the specialist shops with specialist editions of their comics. As Do you ex- mean sex shops? It sounds a bit sex shop esque, doesn't it? The I was, way you've written it, yes. <laughs> I was, I was um, thinking a moment ago when you were talking about uh, pornography and whether that, uh, you know, has been stored in people's lofts. And uh, because people obviously buy comic books and they they don't unwrap them, do they? They just keep them in their plastic coat. Presumably, well, because it's a collector's item, they just want to have it on a shelf. But that would sort of defy the point of porn, wouldn't it? (laughs) Unless it had a really good front cover.
1: It would, unless you, you know... Opened it and then somehow resealed it with some kind some
0: of some sticky substance. <laughs> some
1: kind of sticky substance that eventually yeah. dries into a hard coating.
0: Yeah. Yes. Conf- to, hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> very prick stick. Um, yeah,
1: donut glaze. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway, in uh, 1981, has an example: the wonderfully named Dazzler, a Marvel-created female superhero. No, that's had a,
1: definitely porn.
0: <laughs> magazine distributed solely to specialist shops, and Marvel were amazed porn. at the sales figures. <laughs> Porn. <laughs> I don't know much about Dazzler, but I personally thought her name sounded a bit like a sort of cockney lass.
1: Like a Bobby Dazzler, you mean?
0: Yeah, that's probably where I got it from, yeah. A beautiful girl with a lovely pair of bobs and bits. Tits! <laughs> <laughs> and a cracking Shakespearean farce arse a true jazzler <laughs> oh. she can down a pint in no time at all when it goes the bowl of jelly deals. wheels right on the side of the car fart stinking one too super glue oh shit I'm stuck in a cockney rhyming slang rabbit hole <laughs>
1: well you know the um, the insult Burke you know what that means don't you no what does it mean the insult Burke is short for the cockney rhyming slang Berkeley Hunt meaning uh, is it really yeah, the meaning cunt. Indeed. And that's
0: not that's not an urban myth. That's not like um, no, no.
1: It's it, uh, Susie Dent said it on Eight Out of Ten castors Countdown.
0: Must be legit then. Have you heard the pommy uh, the pommy one? Pom being prisoner prisoners of her Majesty. Interesting. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's an urban myth. Anyway, because that would be perm perm, wouldn't it? That would be perm perm. Oh, your perm, are whinging perm. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Doesn't sound very Aussie or New Zealand, does it? It does not. Yeah. Anywho, remember those first Superman, Batman and Captain Belch comics from the 1930s that I spoke about earlier? Well... I do. More in than ni- anything. In the 1980s, they became very, very valuable simply due to supply and demand. The action heroes were now very famous, think of all those Superman films, and then in 1989 there was the Batman starring Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson and Sharon Stone. What a Tesla... Um, which is very like. popular. What a
1: like she was, eh? To be fair, great film.
0: Yeah, I I All da-
1: Batman films I, I loved. Actually, to be fair, I like the new Batman films as well. It's the one superhero film I watch. A, bit,
0: watch of ba- a ba- bit of Batman. A bit I, of Batman. I, I did like the, 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 the Batman gritty reboot, but then that was the sort of first of thousands of gritty reboots that was the only
1: one i watched was the first one yeah yeah yeah
0: anyway so demand was high for these original comics and supply was low so prices went up that's how supply and demand works the comic publishers saw a commercial opportunity to tap into this desire for rare copies and began releasing lots of special editions with shiny covers holograms and real kryptonite that sort of thing (laughs) many of these were sold in sealed bags too so people could choose to keep them in their original condition in addition, the magazines that listed uh, suggested prices for rare comics also became very popular, and comic nerds started trying to buy and sell comics for money. Yes, the big problem here was supply and demand. There wasn't ample supply of these gimmick—sorry, there was ample supply of these gimmicky comics, and not very much demand. So the market value wasn't particularly high, but was being inflated uh, massively by nerdy speculators,
1: much like with Beanie Babies. <laughs> Did a decade sa- later.
0: Did, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that's probably quite a good analogy. Did the same Beanie thing Babies
1: pub- used to publish. Yeah, they used to publish a catalogue of what Beanie Babies would be worth in ten years' time.
0: <laughs> People bought it.
1: This is going <laughs> to yeah. be worth
0: five million eight hundred seventy-two pounds from thirty-six. There's a cents. very
1: famous photo of a couple in divorce court sitting on the floor sifting through a huge pile of Beanie Babies, deciding
0: <laughs> uh-huh. like who gets which. Yeah. Judgment of Solomon Chopping more Chopping more than half
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh but then you let The spider's eggs out Which are about
0: To hatch (laughs) (laughs) The spider's eggs And you disturb The asbestos (laughs) Yeah
1: Sorry I, I, I stole that joke From I think The Onion
0: What's The Onion? Is that a newspaper? Uh,
1: it's a satirical newspaper, yes. Yeah, so we ran yeah. a story about five years ago that said um, all of the venomous spider eggs that were originally collected to you, stuff beady beanie babies with were about to hatch.
0: Nah. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> then between 1993 and 1997, the bubble burst, and the vast majority of specialist comic book stores went... Was that you pulling your thumb out your bum, or was that you doing it the was, bubble burst? It was, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <Why>?
1: <laughs> I can do
0: both. <laughs> But will not that cause a vacuum in your in your somewhere in your being?
1: Uh, yes, my soul.
0: Yeah, well, that was already a vacuum. <laughs> it really was. But <laughs> <laughs> hello,
1: darkness, my old friend.
0: <laughs> I've got a thumb up my bum. <laughs> so the bubble burst, and the vast majority of specialist comic book stores went bust. And the conclusion. Really, it,
1: drove, it was enough to drive stores bankrupt.
0: Oh, yeah, nine out of ten I read on one subs- one website. Two thirds I read on another nine website. Nine out of ten
1: would bankrupt again.
0: <laughs> so it bankrupted a massive number. It, it, the conclusion I reached when reading about this was that the comic book was in a bit of a decline anyway, largely because there's only mm. so much you can do in that genre. Which goes back to our jokes about superhero films. And when the market began to decline, its last hurrah in an attempt to maintain sustainable growth was to do lots of very gimmicky things. But the comic book speculators failed to foresee this and they fueled a final inflation of the balloon that then popped, leaving people with shitloads of worthless special editions of The Flush, Woman, Captain Hemorrhoid, Super Pooper, and Fat Man and Slobbin. <laughs> uh,
1: not to forget the urethra kid. <laughs> yeah <laughs> mangy woman i like mangy woman yeah and the ringworm
0: yes <laughs> smegma um oh yes yeah i like the idea of fat man and slobbing by the way <laughs> yeah, I'd I, think that, to. I think that'd yeah. be great i think that needs to be made <laughs> sitting on a on a dirty sofa sat in the back cave
1: the phone rings and he just prods it with his fat stick so it knocks the phone off the, uh, off the receiver
0: I was thinking of the two of them in the Batmobile at a drive-thru yes <laughs> nice ketchup stains all down Robin's top dogging in a lay-by with a load of truckers <laughs> but that's Fat Man and dogging <laughs> sorry that is Fat
1: Man and dogging
0: <laughs> or Fat Man goes dogging yeah yeah <laughs> Sounds like a short story. <laughs> Sounds like a play by Alan Bennett. but <laughs> man goes dogging. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, now, here's a slight aside uh, to finish off, uh, and I think you'll like this, Sam. Did you know that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which was a comic book before becoming a cartoon and then a film, was actually a parody? Was it? It was a parody of the Daredevil, Ronin, the New Mutants, and Cerebus, which are all successful Marvel comics. Now, originally, ah. Marvel laughed off the parody, thinking that it would never sell, but it did, and Marvel then decided to parody the parody, creating Adult Thermonuclear Samurai Elephants. <laughs> this is no <laughs> joke, which which was then shorted to Power Pachyderms. And Do you know what? I'm, i I got a
1: newfound respect for them if that's how they responded
0: yep and and you can see it you can go and have a look at this this comic book it's very very creepy superhero semi-human superheroes with really rather long trunks it's quite Woof. strange
1: and parents one area where most superheroes are lacking it there's trunks. a lot of spandex there's a lot of yeah. spandex but <laughs> as far as i can see superheroes Obviously, because of the steroids,
0: uh, and they're not particularly well hung traditionally. Yeah, it's small <laughs> testicles. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then they do have nice tight undies on, so it might be that the undies are just keeping everything in place.
1: I mean, either way, they're not producing any sperm. Yeah. Either their testicles are being crushed under the enormous force of uh, superhumanly strong spandex, uh, <laughs> or they've atrophied to the point <laughs> to the point of absolute obsolescence <laughs> by all of the growth
0: hormone. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. Apart, or from, apart from super Captain Serum, apart from Captain Dangler, um, well, yes, um, who was notoriously skinny uh, but had a massive <laughs> dong.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, um, yeah. And uh, and they used to fight yes. crime with. And the three-legged bandit. <laughs> it's like a one-armed bandit, but every time you pull the lever, oh,
0: <laughs> you get cherries. <laughs> The Pendulum (laughs) Uh, Doctor Cock (laughs) Now we're starting to get into Male porn stars aren't we Names for male porn stars Yes yeah. Anyway this wasn't the only parody Of the parody and we know parodying A parody is actually very hard And it, it very rarely comes off I think but a lot of comics, very ineffectively, genuinely tried to parody Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Here's a list of them, and these are all genuine. Geriatric Gangrene Jiu-Jitsu Durables.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that, was my, that was the name of my band in college, I think.
0: <laughs> Pre-teen Dirty Gene Kung Fu Kangaroos.
1: That was the name of my favourite porn film in college. <laughs>
0: I think we alluded to that at the, in the intro with David Attenborough, <laughs> <Yes>. didn't we? <laughs> he likes pre-teen dirty gene kung fu kangaroos. Um, there was ex-mutant teenage samurai. Oh, sorry, I
1: didn't pick up on the pre-teen bit. No, well oh, definitely not. No
0: <laughs> pre-teen dirty gene kung fu kangaroos. No. Yeah. Uh, there's ex-mutant teenage samurai humans mildly microwaved prepubescent. Oh no, there are two. I think I've put there. I did. <laughs> no, no, read them as That's one. That's a very long one, isn't it? <laughs> Um, Ex-mutant teenage samurai (laughs) humans was one. Park life. (laughs) (laughs) Mildly microwave pre and gophers. Park Park life. (laughs) Adolescent maniacal samurai hair.
1: Now that was my favourite porn at college.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Naive interdimensional commando koalas.
1: No, um, that was my favourite Porter College. Certainly <laughs> <laughs> to choose from.
0: Samurai Penguin. No, uh, and my last one, the post-atomic cyborg gerbils. That was a challenging wank. <laughs> that was that was a challenging Terminator sequel. Um,
1: that one wonder- was. And I'm pretty sure they're still used to advertise car insurance in the UK today. I'm pretty sure there's literally an advert with a cyborg gerbil. <laughs> yeah, the post-atomic moments.
0: cyborg gerbil. Yeah. Uh yeah so that 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 is and I actually thoroughly enjoyed my research into that bizarrely as not a very good. Comic book person I found that quite good fun.
1: Oh well I'm glad you went first Tom because yours is far sillier than mine.
0: <laughs> I'll try my hardest to sillify yours, Sam. <laughs> I well
1: <laughs> I don't think you'll need to guess. That was very good. I I very much enjoyed that. That was excellent. There were lots of stupid names and we all had a good laugh. Now let's <laughs> learn something. <laughs>
0: The supply teacher (laughs) has left the building... (laughs) (laughs) And the real teacher's back again.
1: I had a supply teacher once who just turned up to our history lesson, put Saving Private Ryan on, and then just sat down and read a book for an hour. and uh, Well, for an hour, one lesson, half an hour the next lesson. Um, The thing is, we were in year seven at the time, so we were like 13, and that was harrowing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And now we're going to watch the Nuremberg Trials... With the executions,
1: <laughs> yeah, quite. <laughs> hey kids, let's watch Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> Do you know um,
0: what happened to all those corpses after the uh, after the Holocaust? Well, we're gonna watch movie footage. <laughs> really uplifting. Yeah, yeah quite. I do know my granddad was in uh, Bergen-Belsen 2 days after he was liberated.
1: Was he? Was that before or after they arrested
0: him for war crimes? <laughs> no. <laughs> he was he was a man from Sheffield, Sam.
1: Sorry, let me rephrase that. Was that before or after they arrested him for war crimes? <laughs> my great-granddad on my mum's side was a prison officer in Germany in World War 2, "quote" "unquote" disappeared during most of the war years and then came back after the war finished. And that is not a joke.
0: <laughs> and lost all his memories as well. He did, yes. Yeah,
1: yeah he uh, fell off a ladder.
0: Somewhere. Banged his head. Somewhere.
1: And lost yeah. all his memories.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all his clothing disappeared.
1: Yep. <laughs> he had an awful lot of Hugo Boss suits. that a... Uh, got left on a train somewhere. <laughs> yes. Dark family secret. <laughs> But enough about my colourful family history. <laughs> I've got two economic, but I'm going to do two today, Tom. I'm doing two stories because there's a silly one that's worth slightly more than an honourable mention, and then there's a serious one, but it's there's not a huge amount of humour in it. So I'm going to just do two stories, and we're going to start with a silly one, Tom. I think I should transition us slowly from the wonder of comics, from the wonders Horrifying. of Gossip Boy. Well, quite. The first one, Tom, is Tulip Mania, which is the period from 1634 to 1637 in the Netherlands where the Dutch got their clogs all in a twist for tulips. Yes, their <laughs> they desire for in the... A clog f-
0: twist. A clog is not a material that's twistable. <laughs>
1: <a> fabric clog. <laughs>
0: Have you ever had they a got, clog? <laughs> Have you ever
1: the seen one? <laughs> oh, in my U-bend? Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 they got... <laughs> They got their clogs in a twist for tulips. Their desire for the flowers drove them round the windmill, a time when no one thought to ask what kind of business it was trading the family silver flowers, and no one gave a legalised prostitute with full medical care and all the street waffles she could eat for the consequences. <laughs> is that
0: what it's called? Street waffle?
1: <laughs> Not to be confused with street waffle, which is... <laughs> just Norman's. very much the hiring of prostitutes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> The market became flooded like the fields of Holland. Thousands of Dutch lost their dough in a boom-and-bust cycle, of which the Netherlands has more per capita than anywhere else in Europe, which just kept repeating itself. (laughs) Yes, Uh, that would have come across much better. I wouldn't have done if I was sober. It would have come across just as shit. So tulip mania was one of the earliest economic forms of crowd delusion. Basically, it literally was a delusion that swept the nation. Because everyone else was doing it, everyone wanted to get involved because they genuinely feared for their livelihoods if they didn't start buying tulips. I
0: don't believe that people are that stupid, Sam. Really? Have you met people? (laughs) I know for a fact that people think independently. (laughs) All the time. You're funny. You're funny. (laughs) People people don't go out buying bog roll because they've seen on the news that other people are out buying bog roll (laughs) and they decide I must go out and buy bog roll. I don't know why, but everyone else is doing it.
1: (laughs) Yes. Mm. My mum bought a load of bog roll when COVID first started, but apparently it wasn't panic buying because she has a very large cupboard for it. (laughs) (laughs) Just filling the space she had available. That
0: cupboard was the downstairs toilet. (laughs)
1: And spare bedroom (laughs) Or as it's it's always been known I can't believe you hadn't heard this before The bog roll room (laughs) Fortunately I'm a resourceful sort As uh, was proved in my first week at university My first week away from home When we ran out of toilet paper Uh, I hadn't noticed before I went to the toilet And so I just went and took some naan bread (laughs) Out of the fridge Made use of that instead. <laughs> Turns out, quite effective, but doesn't flush very well.
0: <laughs> oh my god, you explaining to your new housemates why there's a shit smear covered with naan bread in the toilet. <laughs> floating around. Oh, that's no a weird thing to do. No
1: explanation needed, Tom. Anyway, you should probably plough on. So tulip mania was one of the earliest economic forms of crowd delusion. In around 1634, the Netherlands began trading in futures markets. It was one of the the first countries to do so, which is basically a promise to buy or sell something at a certain price at a certain point in the future. And you pay for it now on the promise that you you will get it at X price later. And you can make money by paying for something at a very low price now that ends up being worth a lot more down the line. Mm. So I can, for example, buy five. That was genius patron-only doodles from you, Tom. Yeah. Patreon.com slash genius. Uh, and I'll pay for them now, and I'll pay, say, you know, 6p a drawing, uh, which is the fair market price right now. Um, You'd be generous. But... but I'm buying them on the basis that in two years' time, they might be worth £50 a go. And when they're released, I get them for the 6p that I've paid. So I get them at a far better rate than the people who are buying them at the time. So I'm banking on the fact that prices will rise, and I have the potential to make a fortune. And the Dutch, whose upper class had a lot of money to spend at the time, absolutely loved to spurge on flowers, which were a huge and burgeoning market. New types of flowers were being discovered around the world, they are being bought in, the Dutch absolutely loved them, especially the recently introduced tulip. Demand went wild, and so people began to deal in tulip futures, buying them at a low rate now on the promise they'd be worth a fortune in the future, a lot like Beanie Babies. Mm. And they were. As more and more people became tulip-obsessed, obviously anything that the upper class are doing, the middle class wants to follow to show that they're uh, well, as upper class as they can't afford to be – More and more people cottoned on, driving up the price as people clamoured to buy and sell their futures contracts in flowers. By February 1637, a single tulip bulb was, according to some reports and satirical pamphlets written later, so take this with a grain of salt, worth ten times a skilled labourer's annual wage. Too right. So, as a (coughs) stonemason, you would have to work for ten years to be able to afford one tulip bulb. In 1635, there is a record... Of a trade of 40 tulip bulbs for 100,000 Dutch guilders. That's enough to buy a thousand tons of butter at the time. Wow. But I have to ask, Tom, which would bring you more joy? 40 tulips or being able to bathe in butter? <laughs> just An Olympic butter swimming pool garden. full of butter. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, there is a story which is probably false because tulips are actually lightly poisonous and taste her- horrible that a ship's crew member coming into the Netherlands accidentally ate one thinking it was an onion the merchant who owned it nearly had a heart attack because it was worth enough money to pay clothe, feed and run the entire ship for a year
0: they well, should have kept it under lock and key shouldn't they the silly git I'm not next well, to onions exactly <laughs> <laughs>
1: And for the sailor who thought, "Oh, I fancy a snack. What shall I have?" Oh, I had the burrito, raw onion. <laughs> slightly, Where slightly Russian from? Dutchman. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't know. He's <laughs> uh, well. Apparently, he's from Yellowstone National Park.
0: It's <laughs> a <laughs> merchant town. <laughs> there are people from everywhere.
1: <laughs> We're buying and selling picnic baskets. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, literally, no one could afford tulips anymore. Everyone suddenly thought, "Fuck." Why, am I, why have I just sold my house to buy 50 tulip bulbs? <laughs> <laughs> even the rich thought, shit, why, why am I diving Scrooge McDuck-like into a swimming pool full of tulip bulbs when I could have filled it with butter? They
0: don't even taste as <laughs> and, nice as onions. <laughs> no, they
1: don't. I could have, should have bought onions instead. And everyone suddenly realised the entire population had gone quite, quite mad. Um, this had possibly was spurred on by the fact that the Dutch government realised that this was an economic bubble and introduced a law where people could back out of their purchases of tulips for a 10% penalty. I- so if you paid sorry, you know, if you paid 50,000 gilda for a tulip bulb, you could pay a 5,000 gilda fee to back out of the trade. And so everyone suddenly breathed a huge sigh of relief, realized that they could just take the loss and run, and the uh, price absolutely collapsed overnight, which meant that they were literally some of the wealthiest people in the Netherlands were left with nothing. The clothes off their back were taken, and all they were left with was a big bucket of flower bulbs.
0: <laughs> yeah, wasn't this at the time when um, famously the uh, Dutch government was run by aphids? Yes, it was, yeah.
1: yes. And in a constant, well, I mean, to be honest, initially they encouraged the price rises as part of the ongoing war against the Ladybird League. <laughs> it was a great way of raising funds. Ironically, as a sign of the times, no parallels to be drawn to today, some modern economists have refused to call tulip mania an economic bubble, even though some varieties were genuinely worth five times as much as a good house, claiming that the figure was, quote, a rational and fair figure for a tulip bowl because there was supply and demand and someone wanted to pay it. Go figure. Mm. (laughs) Not that we live in an, an economic bubble at the moment, but the fact that economists are now trying to defend a tulip bulb costing five times the cost of a house is somewhat worrying. So anyway, that's the silly story. I'll try and keep the serious one fairly quick because we've been going on a while and frankly, the rest of the podcast has been funnier. But I also (laughs) wanted to talk briefly about the South Sea Company, which is one of the first and stupidest ever stock market bubbles. So I'm going to take you to 1710 and Britain. I know I've done a lot of Britain recently, but trust me on this one because it is actually a very good story. And Britain is fucked. It was in the middle of fighting two wars, the Spanish War of Succession against France and the Great Northern War supporting Sweden against Russia. These wars were, as most (laughs) wars tend to be,
0: Great Northern War.
1: The aye. Which was solely fought between by Sean Bean and Jeffrey Boycott. Jeffrey Boycott, Over whose
0: gestrel, whose pigeons (laughs) were better at homing.
1: Uh, start yes, it started off as a spat over racing pigeons, and ended up degenerating into, into a race
0: along a canal. Whether,
1: into whether yes, into whether Christmas cake should be served with cheese or out. <laughs> which I maintain is the weirdest tradition from Yorkshire.
0: I found it strange when I came to visit you when you were living in the uh, Lake District. The pubs had big jars of pickled eggs on the counter. Ooh, yes. Yes, I can't think of anything worse for the bowels than a pickled egg.
1: <laughs> and five pints of strong ale.
0: Mmm, <laughs> yes. So these wars
1: were very expensive, and so the government had to borrow money from the Bank of England, which was then a private company, which had them over a barrel, and was, to put it bluntly, rogering them senseless with unlubricated £5 notes. The bank was making huge amounts of money, but no one knew how much, because no one had a book with all the borrowing of all the different bits of government in it. Literally, Britain had no idea how much it owed the banks. A new Chancellor of the Exchequer starts the job, a guy called Robert Harley, and he does a bit of an audit and nearly has a heart attack when he discovers that the country owes an eye-watering £9 million in debt to the bank. Which today is exactly enough to buy yourself a seat in the House of Lords. Uh. The government were running a few lotteries to try and get enough cash together to at least pay for the army, but it wasn't really cutting it. So the government had an idea. They formed a private company called the South Sea Company, which was properly known, snappily, as the Governor and Company of the Merchants of Great Britain, trading to the South Seas and other parts of America, and for the encouragement of the fishery. Yay! Go on fish. You can do it. Initialism. What is <laughs> <laughs> Where's the initialism of that? Uh tgcgkggbba akatssssss akaffafa <laughs>
0: This waddle scorchio <laughs> Both went down the same route there yeah? and <laughs> and
1: it was a huge con Everyone who owed the government money had their debt reissued to this made-up company on the promise that the government would fund it to slowly repay its debts. The company would pay 6% interest a year, which was quite good at the time. And when Britain won its war against Spain, and it would, the Americas would open up to Britain and they'd make a fortune from a nice legitimate business like slaving, or forcing children to work down gold mines, or indigenous genocide. Oh, yeah, or something down those fun. lines. Oh, what a combination of all three. So essentially, the country said, nope, we don't owe you this money. This completely made-up company does. But don't worry, we're all going to be rich. To which, of course, all the rich people and the banks who'd lent the government money said, oh, fuck. But they couldn't really do anything because it was the government, so they thought they'd better make the most of it and started buying as much stock as they could in the company because it was very cheap, about half its normal price, and because no one thought they'd ever get any of their money back, So they thought we might as well buy as much of the company as we can, so when it fails, we can at least try and claw back some of our lending. It was kind of a weird reverse pyramid scheme. Once they'd done that, they thought, oh, hang on, actually we might be able to sell this stock on again, so if we really big up the company, maybe the stock price will rise. So the very rich began to very publicly support the company. And being the richest and most influential people in the country who had enough money to lend to the government, the public listened to them. And they were free to buy and sell stocks and shares in this company. It was what's called a joint stock company. And as soon as the rich and powerful started talking about how much money they're going to make, poorer people still quite wealthy, but with a little bit to invest, thought, oh hello, the lords and ladies of the land are investing in this, this sounds like a great idea. So they started buying shares too, there's now more demand for shares, so the share price for the original investors goes up, they can sell it, they can make their money back. So now the middle classes are saying, this is a great idea, we're all making money, the share price is going up, we're all going to be rich. So poorer people still start to buy into the scheme. Uh Uh-oh, you've got a pyramid scheme. And it went down and down and down the social chain with more and more people buying stock. Now, this was brilliant news for the company. Not only were they raking in cash, the government didn't have to pay its debts. And the public was suddenly hugely excited by the idea of winning a very unpopular war with Spain. The war had been absolutely fracturing public opinion, and now suddenly the entire public were financially bought into winning because it would open up the Americas to the British.
0: But I don't think public opinion had that much value if you think how stupid they were to be (laughs) buying all these stocks in something they didn't understand.
1: No, but when it comes to paying your taxes and joining the army, which is what poor people are really there for, let's be honest, yeah. and still are today.
0: Can you, still pop on the back, <laughs> you can still buck them on the back of the head. Drag well, on. that's true.
1: Yeah. You could still press gang them, yeah. yeah. The War of Spanish Succession came to an end in 1713 with the Treaty of Utrecht, in which Britain was granted the Asiento, or access to all the Spanish ports in South and Central America. Boom. After two years of investment, here comes the profit. Unfortunately, it didn't exactly pan out that way. Britain, excited by the prospect of good, honourable trade with the recently defeated Spanish Empire, went to the Royal African Company and paid them uh, basically all the money they could possibly ask for to get as many slaves as they could possibly find, beg, steal, borrow, get them ready to ship to South America. Unfortunately, no one had bothered to check the surrender terms to see exactly what trade was included. Until Spain got hold of it and said, oh, hang on, no one specified how much we have to allow Britain to trade with us. So we're going to allow one ship a year. <laughs> the entire economy of the United Kingdom boiled down to one ship a year <laughs> being allowed into the ports of South America. Tens of millions of pounds had been invested. In this
0: one ship? Was it a nice ship?
1: In one ship a year it was perfectly decent ship unfortunately the spanish were also charging an exorbitant rate of tax so it was so bad that the ship had to cook its books and claim that it was carrying quarters and halves of slaves (laughs) to avoid paying taxes yes this is two halves of a slave they just happened to still be joined together we didn't have a chance to (laughs) dissect this person before we left samara left africa Horrible accounting error. But yes, one ship a year. The company was fucked, but rather than admit defeat, as all good con men do, the board of directors put King George I in personal charge of the company. And of course, we'll having off. the king at the helm. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yours now, George. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly, they cashed out. And of course, having a celebrity at the helm and just sliding the account sheet under the table helped massively despite the fact that they could only send one ship a year to america and the entire country had invested in this the, the stock price just kept shooting up and up and up as more people got involved and more people wanted to buy stock so the people who are higher up in this pyramid scheme could sell them the stock the shit had essentially hit the wall <laughs> and the government framed it and called it modern art the company went on to buy the entire national debt with the promise that the you know, the government would pay it back, which they had no intention of doing. But no one cared because the stock price kept on going up and up and up until September 1720 when the bubble burst and it burst big. People realised that this company was not making any money. People realised that the people at the top were selling very, very quickly. The share price by now, the people, so the first people to invest paid £55 for their shares. The shares were now worth well over £1,000. So they had made 20 times their money Whoa. at the very top. So they sold out, the share price crumbled, and within two months it had tumbled 80%. Over 200 companies had been founded to take advantage of the bubble, about 198 of them collapsed. The two that remained are still around today. As we said, they're insurance brokers in London. There was absolute uproar. There was violence in the streets. The suicide rate in the country rose notably. Sir Isaac Newton, of all people, <laughs> he lost the equivalent of £3 million in modern money. Sir Isaac Newton was stung. So he very quickly discovered the effect of gravity as the stock price <laughs> began to plummet towards he didn't the end.
0: roof over his head, so he started sleeping under apple <laughs> trees. Exactly. Yeah. Every cloud?
1: Yes. <laughs> Has shit coloured lining? It really yeah. was. It really was. So of course, Tom, the government stepped in to do something about this. The government had started it. And passed a law saying that no company could publicly trade stock without government approval. Yes. Uh this was shortly before an inquiry found enormous corruption at every stage of government. <laughs> the fact that all the politicians have profited massively
0: off this scam. Apart from apart from the king, King George. <laughs> no, no, he made quite oh, a lot of he? money out of it too. <laughs> Sorry, not not the
1: king, obviously. The government. The royal purse. Interestingly, many people have compared the South Sea bubble to the current craze for dodgy cryptocurrencies and NFTs, non-fungible tokens, which have no real value at all other than a receipt of ownership. So there you go. We'll probably see something fairly similar happen soon. But there we go, Tom. That's the South Sea bubble, which is a serious story, but quite a stupid one for the amount of ridiculous public mania involved. And of course the uh, tulip mania in the Netherlands which is quite a lot sillier and more
0: fun. Yeah, the, yeah well the South, you're right the South Sea bubble one was fun. it was fun and enjoyable but it wasn't particularly amusing apart from when you got into the suicide bit eventually. Well,
1: well yes was, finally. Was,
0: but yeah no that very interesting. And the tulip mania yes. one I I almost did the tulip mania one. And I I had heard the story That's because I
1: suggested it to you. Yeah, she did. Like, I almost <laughs>
0: pinched it because I was running out of ideas. <laughs> I basically it was one of those things where I'd read your message where you t- talked about tulip mania and then I started doing more research and then I thought ah tulip mania that's a good idea and then I tried to pass <laughs> yes, it off I'll as take, my own. I might do that yeah, <laughs> yeah. then went back to the message and saw that you already suggested it
1: <laughs> uh, well there you go Tom there you go those are my two for the week so we started silly and ended serious but you know, a, a prescient lesson for us all about diving into the next big thing when we see it being advertised on Instagram or Twitter or uh, Patreon.com/slash. That was genius. Uh, uh, you know, a page where nothing is ever
0: quite as it not seems. hundred percent gold.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, or quite as it seems.
0: Um, yes, yeah, yeah, totally.
1: Maybe you should start selling your your doodles of <laughs> that was genius episodes as NFTs on our Facebook group.
0: I think we. I think we could sell a few on shirts. Oh Arnold, yeah, old Arnold Sammy Twiggletiger, on a are holding a massive penis.
1: Joe, you know I'm going to make that most recent picture. I'm going to make that my actual Facebook profile picture.
0: I w- I was hoping you would actually. I didn't want to push it.
1: My mother-in-law. My mother-in-law just started. <laughs> just became my friend on Facebook. So I, I think it's think about it's time
0: for her to see. <laughs> I think I've got a caricature of you down pat now.
1: I. I think you do. Yes, I. You know. Body dysmorphia. I hadn't pictured myself being quite that big up top.
0: <laughs> it's the face as well. I've got the face, which is very nice. Just you have absolutely the hair, the yes. Beard,
1: the jowls. pickle to ear. The pickle to ear <laughs> ratio.
0: <laughs> I think that was actually one long pickle went straight in. Oh, was it straight in and straight yeah, out the other side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: do we have a topic for next week? I can't remember if we do or we Let's don't. Have a quick look.
0: No, I think we've. I know. I think we've run out of ideas, but we have had some cracking suggestions from. A selection of patrons and just regular listeners, swearing giants, Aussie Bushman, and Strange Fashion are some of our recent. We ha- we suggestions.
1: have, however, it's a patron episode next week, so we should probably pick one ourselves, so that the audience don't feel left out if they've suggested something and it ends up being a behind a paywall, like the capitalist bastards we are.
0: We could do. I think. Um, I think the Aussie Bushman was suggested by patron, and so was swearing. Was swearing came from um, Toby Ra. It would... Okay, well, let's do let's do swearing okay. next week for the patrons, and then, and then for the public.
1: Uh, oh, giants! Swearing for the patrons, giants for the public in two weeks' That's time. Grand. Fantastic! Well, audience, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll let you get going now. Thank you for your time, and uh, we'll see you next week. Say
0: goodbye, Tom. Bye bye. Say goodbye, Sam. Bye bye. Bye bye.